Hi, everyone, and welcome to the premiere episode of the NGO Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Cobb. I'm really excited that you're joining us for our first ever episode today. And ironically, uh, the NGO Interview Podcast is starting out with an episode that is actually not an interview. But I will say that's going to be the minority of situations for uh, our format for this podcast. Obviously, this podcast will be largely uh, revolved around interviewing folks from NGOs. So today, I'm just going to take the mic. I'm going to explain to you a little bit about what you can expect from listening to this podcast. I'm going to do a brief overview of what an NGO is and how they operate just to familiarize you if you're not already familiar with what NGOs do so that going into the next few episodes, you can understand kind of what we're talking about, who the individual we bring on uh, is and what they do and what the organization does. Um, And then we're going to discuss just what you can expect, the general format, um, the general plan for this podcast, why we're doing this podcast. So as I said, this is the first episode. I'm really excited that you're joining um, us for this adventure. If you clicked on this podcast, you're probably someone interested in working in the NGO world. Maybe you do work in the NGO sector. Maybe you're interested in humanitarian aid or relief services. Maybe you're interested in global health. And so with all that in mind, um, you know, I just want to say thank you for listening to this podcast, but also thank you for your interest in working in those fields. Um, as you may know, and as I want to remind our listeners uh, time in and time out, there are a lot of people throughout the world that are living without access to basic health services, uh, without electricity, without access to clean water, uh, without access to adequate nutrition, without access to mental health treatment, living in poverty, um, and the challenges that are associated with um, impoverished regions. And so I want to remind folks that that's still occurring, and I want them to feel inspired to help out. I want them to feel um, a kind of an urge, and I want them to be asking themselves, how can I help these individuals? And one of the ways that you can help these individuals is becoming involved with the NGOs that we bring on the show. And so I want to explain and remind to folks that many, actually the vast majority of the world live in low-resourced settings. And you may live in a low-resource setting, you're listening to this podcast, and you may be wondering, how can I help these individuals? Um, And we will provide you, hopefully, with all the answers to all the questions that you have over the many months of this podcast and many years of this podcast to come by bringing on folks that... Um, act as great mediums for helping individuals uh, in lower resource settings. So my name is Ben Cobb. Uh, As I said, I'm the host of the show. I will be doing the interviewing with uh, NGO representatives. A little bit brief background around me. Uh, I have a graduate degree in global health from Duke University and the Duke Global Health Institute. Uh, I've taken a couple trips doing humanitarian and missions um, type work and then I have also done volunteer remote services for a number of NGOs so I'm fairly familiar with the NGO world um, as a whole um, and and familiar with the global health world as a whole as well and since uh, graduate school I've been working in the nonprofit sector in the United States but I've really come to respect uh, and come to learn more about what different NGOs are doing around the world 
and it's really been fun learning about these organizations, volunteering with these organizations. Uh, but now I want to get these organization stories into more hands. I want to increase the visibility of these organizations so that I can increase the visibility of the populations that they serve. Um, and that's kind of my first and foremost goal to ultimately result in helping the individuals that these organizations serve. So that's definitely the overarching goal. So that's a little bit about me, a little bit about the format of this podcast uh, and the folks that we're going to be bringing on. Now I want to move in to just describing sort of what an NGO is. I've been talking for about five minutes and I don't know if I've used the term uh, NGO in a non-abbreviated way yet. So I'll go ahead and, um, and broach that subject. NGO stands for non-governmental organization. So what is a non-governmental organization? So NGOs or non-governmental organizations, it's kind of a catch-all term, really. And so it encompasses a lot of different organizations and, um, and mission-driven societies and activities that uh, are located both domestically, operating in a specific country only, or operating transnationally all across the globe. So I really like the way that the website ngosource.org puts it. They answer the question, what is an NGO, by saying, while there's no universally agreed upon definition of an NGO, typically it is a voluntary group or institution with a social mission which operates independently from the government. So we'll get into the independently from the government part a little bit later uh, in this episode, but that's kind of a really good summation of what an NGO is and how it's an all-encompassing catch-all term. So you may hear some synonyms to NGO, and those include also from the website ngosource.org. Some synonyms are listed here as an NGO also being called a nonprofit charity, a nonprofit organization, a civil society organization. You'll hear the term civil civil society uh, a lot in the NGO world at times. Um, citizen sector organization, social benefit organization, advocacy organization. A lot of NGO services provide direct services, but a good amount of them actually do more advocacy type work and try to um, influence legislation and things like that. And not, they're not necessarily providing direct services, but they're trying to influence policy and legislation that will help people have an increase of those services. So many NGOs are involved in advocacy work. Uh, NGO Source goes on to list more types of NGOs, including voluntary organizations, grassroots support organizations, and non-state actors. So, you know, it's really a catch-all term. It's such a catch-all term that if you're living in the United States, you're probably familiar with AARP and YMCA. So AARP and YMCA are actually considered NGOs because they're nonprofits. Um, and even though we're familiar with them in a capacity of building up the United States domestically, they are a nonprofit. They would fall under that NGO umbrella. But I want to break it down a little bit more specifically and spell out a little bit more about the types of NGOs that we'll have specifically on this show. And the NGOs we'll have on the show are more accurately termed international NGOs. You'll also hear that referred to as INGOs. And so INGOs are the more sort of typical NGOs that we think of. You know, we may see aid workers working for an NGO in, you know, in, the, in, a, in the media or um, you know, in the news. 
So that kind of gives you um, a scope of what an NGO is. I will also add that the term NGO was created in 1945 around the end of World War II by the United Nations, uh, Article 71 of the Charter that was created by the UN. And it was uh, defined uh, in that year, but it's, it's funny because it, it has still not really a, a defined word, right? It's still a very much a catch-all term. So it really isn't a formalized definition representing something, but instead represents a lot of different organizations. But for the purposes of this podcast, we're largely going to be speaking about international NGOs. But I'm still going to use the term NGO for short. But anytime I talk about NGOs on this podcast, you can think of it as an international NGO. So what are the different types of NGOs? So we've talked about that a little bit already. Um, there are some international NGOs that do work providing direct health services. They may um, work in clinics in rural areas. They may provide mobile vaccine clinics. They may um, <clears throat> hand out nutrition supplements to uh, families. They may do public health outreach. So those are more of the direct service provisions that international NGOs are involved in. But there's also a good amount of organizations that do work uh, that really have nothing to do with direct services. So as I said, advocacy work is one, right? So folks trying to influence the legislation and the policies of, of you know, maybe uh, different countries or different treaties that are being created uh, for the good of uh, those that they're representing. So they're still representing people. It's just a, not a direct service that they're providing. Other organizations um, may provide direct legal services, um, especially in immigration. There's a lot of uh, NGOs that are working with um, refugees and providing services for um, legal services. And then, you know, it really runs the gamut. You can pretty much name an international NGO working in just about every sector of social service or, or humanitarianism right now. So essentially, there's a lot of different types of NGOs, um, you know, from legal to direct provision of services to advocacy groups um, to some of the NGOs are uh, more centered in financing, so they distribute um, funding to other NGOs, so it's NGOs helping out NGOs. So it's, it's a wide variety of different types of NGOs. Um, but I was able to find a few really interesting statistics about NGOs worldwide, um, and this is from a website called standardizations.org, and they cite different uh, sources here, like the Global Journal, Johns Hopkins and Charities Aid Foundation. So I'm just going to kind of go through a few of these very interesting facts so for you to understand not only what an NGO is, but also to understand the scope and scale of NGOs today throughout the world. So <clears throat> according to this global journal via standardizations.com, there's about 10 million NGOs worldwide. Now I'll add the caveat that some of those are more like nonprofits that we, we generally think of domestically, but a lot of them are uh, international NGOs. So there's, you know, at least I think it's safe to say several million NGOs operating internationally. And so that's a really large number. 
um, especially when you think about how there's there's approximately 200 countries more or less in the world. Um, when talking about donations to NGOs in 2014, the world gave about 1.4 billion dollars to non-governmental organizations. Um, the number is expected to grow to by over 1 billion dollars to 2.5 billion dollars uh, by 2030. So a lot of money going into non-governmental organizations. A very interesting statistic uh, came out of the HR Council via this website, and it reads that three out of four employees in the NGO sector are female, but the majority of leadership positions at NGOs are still predominantly held by men. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic and one we may explore uh, later um, on this podcast. But I'll share a few more very interesting statistics and figures that I sort of um, gathered from this website. Uh, One out of every 10 people in the United States works for an NGO. Thus, the NGO workforce is the third largest among U.S. industries behind only retail, trade, and manufacturing. So obviously that's encompassing other social initiatives like nonprofits, but it is definitely a... A sizable portion of the United States working for NGOs and international organizations as well. Um, and the last statistic that I'll share with you all is, is probably the, the statistic that um, surprised me the most. But according to Johns Hopkins University, if NGOs were a country, they would have the fifth largest economy in the world. So what we can gain from all this is that NGOs are a very sizable sector in the world. Uh, There's a lot of people operating in them and there's a lot of uh, money involved in them. But additionally, I still think that if you're not necessarily in the NGO world, you might not be thinking about these organizations and the populations that they serve ever. And so for us to be reminded of that is a really, uh, imperative thing. Um, So I wanted to share those statistics with you. uh, And then I'll I'll briefly touch on right now just a little bit about how NGOs um, are funded and then give you some examples of NGOs and then we'll call it a day. But uh, generally NGOs are funded primarily through um, donations, so philanthropic donations, but they're also funded by uh, some other funding stream. So investopedia.com lists different sources of fundings such as membership dues, private donations, the sale of goods and services, grants from other nonprofits like we were talking about before, NGOs that provide money to other NGOs, and government funding. So that last piece may have perked up your ears a little bit because if you put two and two together, you realize that We're saying non-governmental organizations take money sometimes from the government. And so that's that's accurate. And so they kind of uh, lay it out really nicely, better than I would say in investopedia.com on the same article. And they put it as, despite their independence from government, many NGOs rely heavily on government funding to function. Some governmental NGO funding may be viewed as controversial, because the funding may support certain political goals goals, rather than a nation's 
development goals. So that's something always to keep of note. That's not to say that you can't accept government funding if you're an NGO and still um, you know, operate in an above board manner um, and prioritize their correct goals. Uh, but that is something in the NGO sector that people keep an eye on as well. So some common examples of NGOs uh, include Oxfam, uh, Amnesty International, Doctors Without Borders, International Rescue Committee. These are some of the more kind of common humanitarian international NGOs that people may be familiar with. These are NGOs are uh, very sizable. They're very, very large organizations. Um, there's also a lot of NGOs around the world that are very, very small. You know, they could be comprised of a team of 10 to 15 people um, working in one specific area. And those NGOs uh, a lot of times do fantastic work pound for pound to the same scale as some of these larger uh, organizations. So NGOs can come in um, all shapes and sizes. Um, one of the most sizable NGOs has actually been in the news recently because of the advances of uh, Bill and Melinda Gates and their recent divorce that happened just a few days before recording this podcast. And Bill and Melinda Gates actually own a foundation called, you guessed it, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And they're very, very involved uh, in global health. And they have about a $50 billion endowment. So that just shows you the size uh, that NGOs can reach. Um, so you can have NGOs operating with a very, very small budget that focus in a very, very particular area and maybe focus even more on a very specific type of service. And then you can have NGOs range all the way up to something to the size of a $50 billion um, budget with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or as large as Oxfam, you know, that operate in many different parts of the globe and many different uh, areas of service. So the size and shape of NGOs can range significantly. And so that's kind of a, a real quick bird's eye view of what international NGOs are, and I hope it familiarized you a little bit with the NGO world and kind of uh, set you up nicely to hear the next several interviews um, about different NGOs that we're bringing on the show. I'm really, really excited for those. I think those would be fantastic interviews. We're currently in the process of lining up several of these interviews. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited to bring these individuals on. They're representing some super cool organizations that are doing just fantastic work, um, doing fantastic boots on the groundwork, helping a lot of people. So we're going to be talking to them the next episode will be an interview episode, and most of the episodes to come will be interview episodes, so stay tuned for that. If you want to be notified of our episodes when they release, you can subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're listening via Apple or whatever uh, podcast medium you're using to listen, you can subscribe on there. You can also follow us on Twitter, and we will post our um, new links to different episodes on there and I will post all of the sources cited in this episode as well as our Twitter handle and our Gmail account um, in the show notes so you can find us on there 
And if you would be so kind to subscribe, rate, and review if you like the podcast, we'd really appreciate that. That helps increase our visibility so we can increase others' visibility. That would be much appreciated. But I'm really excited that you joined us for this first podcast. I hope you learned a little bit. And if you already knew everything I told you, perfect. Contact me. Maybe you can come on the show. Teach me a little bit. Um, But I appreciate you listening. And I appreciate you listening not just because you listened, but because if you listen, it probably means that you have an interest in this field and that it probably means you have an interest in helping others. So I really appreciate you having that interest in helping others and I hope you continue to cultivate it and uh, and feed that interest uh, if you're an NGO and you're interested in coming on the podcast you can uh, give me you can shoot me an email um, in the gmail account that is in the show notes feel free to reach out to me and we can set up a time to talk about your NGO coming on our podcast as well but I'm really excited for the next few episodes so stay tuned and until next time thanks for listening to the NGO Interview Podcast.